Okay, so I want you all to fast forward about 2,000 years. It was two years ago and during the summer, so me and my three brothers and my mom were all at home. It was chore day at the Finney house and we were having these people come over later, so we all had to clean our own room plus another. My two youngest brothers were cleaning our sunroom. They had to vacuum it, wash the tables, straighten it up. It had been about two hours since we got in our instruction. And I had come up with some dishes and um, looked out the window. And I noticed that the table was covered in water. I couldn't see all of it, so I didn't know what exactly they were doing. But it was kind of a strange way to clean a table. So as I turn around, out of the corner of my eye, I see my kitten, who hates water, slide across the table. <laughs> so I peeked outside to see my youngest brother, Jamie, catch the cat, turn around, and slide her to the other end of the table where my other brother, Doug, was at. Doug, in turn, turned the cat around and slid it back to Jamie. Jamie slid it back to Doug, and this went on for a while. Me shocked at what they were doing to my cat. Finally, my fury and outrage overcame, and I ran outside screaming, what are you doing to my cat? I picked her up and glared at Doug and Jamie. Then Jamie looked at me, completely unfazed, and he goes, we're washing the table with the cat. <laughs> what? We're washing the table with the cat. So then I start screaming for my mother, hoping that she'll punish them. And when she comes out, she's a little confused. I mean, I'm screaming, holding a wet, sobbing cat. The boys are laughing hysterically, and the table's all wet. Jamie explains to her the same thing he explained to me how about, about how they were washing the table with the cat. She then calls my dad, and he thinks it's the funniest thing. Later, when he gets home, he asks Doug, why were you washing the table with the cat? And Doug responds, we weren't washing the table with the cat. We tried that. It didn't work. We were drying the table with the cat. <laughs> what do you say to that? So for a while, I was convinced I was never going to ever talk to them again, and I didn't want to see them. Now I look back on it and laugh. But I got to thinking, you know, quite often, we're like the cat. We're kind of thrown back and forth in the world. As soon as we get through one problem, we're into another, barely managing. Yet other times, we're like the boys, and so wrapped up in our own problems, and it's all about me, that we don't realize that the person next to us is going through the same thing. And we maybe kind of kick their feet out from underneath them, or trip them, not realizing that they're, doing, they're going through the same thing we are. And then Jesus has to come running in and grab us and hold us tight and protect us and look at our tormentors and say, hey, that person you're tormenting, they're mine. That girl you're tormenting, she's mine. You're not allowed to hurt her. But sometimes he has to kind of tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, that person that you just kind of tripped, they're mine too. And just like I'm not going to let your tormentors torment you, I'm not going to let you torment them. Wow. Talk about a reality check.
And so as we kind of realize that life's not all about us and it's not all about what we want, kind of realize that Jesus went through the same thing. I mean, come on, he was born in a stable. I don't know if you've ever been in a barn, but even with the great modern conveniences like Lysol and cleaning out the stalls and fresh hay, it still doesn't smell very good. And back then, with dirt walls, dirt floor, dirt roof, it wouldn't have been very clean at all. And I mean, he was put in a manger. Now, a manger is a nice, fun word. Think of a box with hay. But in all honesty, it was more like a feeding trough. That would be where the animals slobbered and spit and snot. Not a very clean place for a baby. And then this kind of continued on for the rest of his life. And when he was two, King Herod tried to kill him. He had to flee to Egypt with his family. And then the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the people that should have recognized who he was, that should have fallen on their knees and cried, Savior, you're here, kept trying to kill him. And then as he would escape them, the disciples, his best friends, the people that were supposed to believe in him, well, they weren't so convinced he was God. Great prophet, maybe, but come on, they grew up with him. They knew his mom. They didn't really believe that he was God. And it comes all the way up to Pilate. Pilate has a decision to make. He knows Jesus is innocent, but does he free an innocent man and risk politically ruining himself, or does he just kind of wash his hands and be done with it, turn a blind eye, let the Pharisees kill him? Well, Pilate decides that he likes his career more than he likes Jesus, and lets Jesus be crucified. But unlike us and the cat in that situation, where we don't have an out, we're stuck. We need Jesus' help. Jesus didn't need our help. He was fine. He could have knocked all the guards over and walked off the cross. Or better yet, he could have called his army of angels to do it for him. But he didn't. He stayed on that cross and suffered and died for our sins. For our sins of yesterday, of tomorrow, for our sins, our kids' sins, our grandkids' sins, for all the sins of the past and the present of the future. Because in Bethlehem, Jesus, Jesus was with us. He was with us then, and he's with us now. Thank you.